Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. My mother died when I was 30 and she was 56 years old. After we found out that she had ovarian cancer, she survived about six months longer until her passing. She called me to say, I'm going into the hospital for some tests. But I knew what it was. This is going to sound so strange. I was eating dinner when she called. I went back to my table, looked at my plate of food, and I saw the hand of God in my mashed potatoes. It looked like Da Vinci's painting of the Sistine Chapel with all the clouds there. I knew that she was going to die. There were other things that happened when she was ready to pass over. She was completely sane and lucid, although she was talking to someone that we could not see. That freaked out my brothers. We loved her to no end. We were a little scared, though, so we kept trying to get someone other than ourselves to stay with her in the room. Finally, my one brother walked up to me and said, Barbie, you got to go in that room. She's talking to people and there's nobody there. But we were all there when she died. Going into that experience was very unusual. All that time my brother Mark was talking to her as she was leaving, he said, Now, Mom, when your spirit leaves here, just get in the car and ride on home. He talked her through it. Previously, in other family situations, I had been the rock, the solid one, up until she was leaving her body. Mark had been quiet the whole time. I don't think he actually was engaged with the process of her passing. When the time to take her last breaths came, he was the one who took over, and he talked to her. My car had been parked in the medical center for three or four days, and I'd been inside the hospital the entire time, and nobody had been in or used my car. We all walked out to get into my car, and we found the driver's seat was shifted all the way back, and it wasn't an electric control to move it. I got inside and in the driver's seat as I was thinking, how did this happen? I'm a short person and I obviously did not move the seat back because my feet and hands couldn't reach anything. I sat in that seat and tried to move it forward, but it wouldn't budge. Then, while everyone was sitting in the car, I stepped outside to move the lever to scoot the seat to its forward position. The people in the back tried to shove it forward saying, it's not going to move. My brother Mark drove up to my car with his truck and asked out the window, what's wrong? I told him what the problem was, and he simply said, it's mom. I told her to get in the car. He got out of his truck, walked over to the seat, and put his finger on it, and it went flying forward. Everybody else in the family had tried to make the thing move. It would only move for Mark. So... We drove home, and we went through the funeral process. I hadn't been back to my home in Louisville for at least a week. We were all outside getting ready to say goodbye and get the car loaded. We heard water running. It sounded like water was spewing out of somewhere, so we began to look around. We went down to the barn, and we saw that the water spigot on the trough had come on, and the water was just flowing out. We shut off the water, but everyone thought it was Mother. When I got back to Louisville to my house, I walked into the bathroom and I found a towel that was saturated with water. 
there was so much water in the towel that I had to wring it out. I had not been home at all. Nobody else was in my home for over that week. Even if someone had soaked the towel with water, it would have been pretty much dried out after a week. The next thing that happened was my mom started visiting my home. I had been very concerned about, and it was very selfish of me, about who was going to remember my birthday. My mom had been the only one who always remembered it. After she passed, she has shown up on October 7th every year for the past seven years on my birthday. Many times I've been busy not really thinking about it being my birthday. For instance, one time I had gotten out of bed and I was standing in front of the mirror brushing my teeth when I thought, oh, it's my birthday. Suddenly, it felt like someone smacked me on the back of my head and I heard, Happy birthday, Barbara. After my mother died, I felt very forlorn. It really hurt. I had regular dreams seeing her a lot, but when she was alive and I would travel to her home, I would give her a big hug. I could still close my eyes right at this moment and feel how her body used to feel when I hugged her. Right after the time of her death, I ached to have that feeling again. That ache has never gone away. Sometime later, I went to bed one night and I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night feeling my mother holding me. She had moved in right behind me and put her hands around me. I was fully awake and determined not to roll over to see if it was quote-unquote real. I didn't want her to go away. She just held me and I went back to sleep. When I awoke, I remembered thinking that when she had been with me, that in the morning, I believed that it was just a dream. And I thought ahead when she was holding me, I'll remember this as being real. And when I awake, I'll know it was real. And I never again had that longing for that physical hugging. There was one time after that, it was actually one of the most bizarre experiences that I've ever had. When I was in bed, just falling asleep, all at once I heard a buzzing sound. It sounded like a radio getting loud static. When I opened my eyes, I saw a vortex traveling around my bed. I could see that it had layers of energy. I watched it go around my bed, and the dog was lying right next to me. Then my mother appeared. I exclaimed, Mother, this is wonderful. How are you? I was so happy to see her that I wanted to catch up on all the news and tell her all my problems. I was trying to talk to her about my latest romance problem, and she was not one bit interested. But she shook her head, raised her finger, trying to speak. It's not... I can't. It's not clear. And she moved sideways in an arc above me. I reached out and I grabbed her because I didn't want her to go. I could feel her, feel the energy, and it was slipping through my hands. It was almost similar to grabbing water. Then she left. All at once, the energy from the top of my head opened. It felt like a garage door being opened, and my spirit came out of my body. It was like slipping out of a very long glove. My thought at the time was, holy hell, I'm having an out-of-body experience. And then I remember thinking, I wonder if this is what it feels like when you die. I remember that I had to go to the bathroom, so I sat up. 
and my body felt very, very heavy. I started to scoot my bottom toward the end of the bed, where I'd be able to reach my hands over to put them on a dresser to help get myself up. I got up and I dragged the bed sheet along with me. When I put my feet down, I realized that the dog had been hiding between the dresser and the bed. I put my feet on the dog and it bolted out of the room. I made my way to the bathroom, but I had to hold on to things to keep my balance. Then, all at once, my mother was there again. The buzzing had quit and the vortex was still there, but not quite as intense. She showed up then and spoke. It's clear now. So she wasn't interested in what I had to say. She was there to bring a message for me to give to my brother Mark. She was referring to the energy being cleared so she could communicate with him. Then she proceeded to give me the message. When she talked to me, it was like she was giving me blocks of thoughts. It's like you give someone a pack of cigarettes, but where each cigarette is a word. You give them one word at a time until you understand the sentence, or if someone handed you the whole pack of cigarettes at once and you could understand the sentence as a block. So she talked with me in blocks of thoughts. Then she was gone. I woke up the next morning. I didn't have a stitch of clothes on. The dog was nowhere in sight. The sheet had been dragged along my fanny when I had been up from the bed. And that was the only time in 14 years in which my dog ever left my bedside. So my mom was around for seven years, and on that last birthday, I was at Nags Head. I traveled there with a man that I had been dating, and she had came to me when I was sitting at the kitchen counter stool. He was cooking breakfast for me when I heard my mom say, Get up and go outside. I started walking out through the double doors when I heard her speak again. Go through the bedroom where he'll follow you. So I turned around, went into the bedroom, and out onto a big deck which faced the ocean. She said, I'm going on. I have a lot to do. It's time. You won't hear from me anymore on your birthday. She added one more thing, saying, If you ever truly need me, call me or send for me. I'll be there if you ever have a true problem. It was a very bittersweet feeling. She left. Well, my family had a big argument about what to do with our family farm. It was really ugly. So I sent for my mother. It was the first time in decades when I felt that I couldn't fix the problem and I needed her help. I sent a spirit guide to fetch her. I spoke to her spirit saying, There is an issue with the farm and I need your help. Then I waited for her to come back to support and help me. Spirit Guide came back to report, She's not coming. I said, What? The Spirit repeated, She's not coming. I was incredulous. What do you mean she's not coming? Is that all she said? No, he replied. She said that this is not a problem. I'm not coming here for this. You'll work it out. That was from Barbara in Louisville. I grew up in Huntington, West Virginia, and I came to dental school in Lexington, Kentucky in 1963. I re-met and then married 
my first wife in 1964. After a 1965 visit to Lexington, my parents moved here and they lived here until their health and aging required their needing assistance. My sister and family lived in Louisville, so my folks sold their home and they purchased a condo there where my sister could help care for them. As their age advanced and took its toll, their health declined. My mom had a bout with melanoma that developed in her ankle. I remember when I was a child how she enjoyed basting and broiling her skin every summer in our backyard, resulting in a below-the-knee amputation, which I think contributed to her death in a few years. Most of my parents' friends were passing, but my mom stayed close with her very good friend Jane, who had moved years before from Huntington to Cincinnati, where I lived. Mom's health declined further, and now in the hospital, she seemed near death. As it happens many times, she rallied and was going on to be sent home. Then the news came that Jane had died in Cincinnati. I speculated that Jane contacted Mom from the other side, inviting her to join in a game of canasta. Anyway, my mom passed quickly and peacefully. That was December 22, 2006. Four days later in Lexington, when we were hanging out on Boxing Day, I was sitting in our kitchen when the doorbell rang. It was one of those wireless deals that sounds like Westminster chimes. It rang a second time. Since I'm a little slower moving, my wife Susan came out from the family room, passed me, and went to the door to see who was there. Thinking that it might be a delivery, she opened the door but saw no one. She went out on the front stoop and saw nobody in the driveway or on the sidewalk. Then... The doorbell rang the Westminster chimes a third time. Susan quickly turned and pushed the doorbell button, and nothing happened, because our doorbell hadn't worked for several weeks. Best I could figure was that my mom came by to say goodbye. Fast forward again to March 2008. As often happens when folks who were married over 60 years lose a spouse, many go soon after. That's what my dad did on March 2nd, 2008. That was a Tuesday when part two of the story happened. On Friday, March 5th, at our dental office around 5 p.m., we were wrapping up our day. The final patient was checking out from the front desk. There's a little alcove just inside our door to shield the reception from the weather. There is an electronic chime on that door that makes a single beep which alerts us to the arrival of new patients. All three of us were standing at the front desk. We heard the Westminster chime sound and thought it might be our patient's cell phone ringtone. Au contraire. It was not her cell phone, and it actually seemed to have come from the electronic doorbell chime device, which really only makes one single beep when activated. I unplugged the device to look at the back to see if there was any way to select a different tone or tunes or etc. And there's no part of the doorbell that allows anything like that. So I believe that my dad came by to say goodbye, kind of like my mom. But being my dad, he had to do a one-upsmanship on her by manipulating the device to do something that it ordinarily couldn't do. And by the way, it has never done that again. Just to make sure I got that message... When I left the office to drive home, I usually play NPR on the radio. 
they often play short musical interludes between stories. One of those was playing when I first turned on the radio. Don't know what had been the story, but they were playing a Miles Davis recording of the tune, If I Were a Bell, from the show Guys and Dolls. It began with an introduction, Miles playing a muted trumpet. What were the musical notes in this introduction? The Westminster chime sounded three times. Get the message? Well, I did. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's from Michael in West Virginia. Many years ago, I worked with a class of young children, and occasionally I had a special needs teacher to assist. When her husband died in a car accident, I helped in any way that I could. Two or three months later, I was watching TV and making a to-do list. After a while, I became aware that the side lights on the walls had started to flicker, but I ignored it. As I sat there letting the sights and sounds from the TV wash over me as I wrote, it eventually began to dawn on me that I hadn't taken in a single thing for the last hour. However, the paper in front of me was covered in writing. What I had in front of me was effectively a letter from my colleague's dead husband to his grieving wife. It was a plea for forgiveness for all the times that he had behaved so badly when he was alive. I know quite well that their son would be sitting at the kitchen table eating his evening meal, but at the sound of my car tires crunching the gravel drive and seeing the headlights, he would leave the table, scrape any uneaten food into the bin, and rush upstairs to his room. The writing pleaded to me to give this letter to my poor wife. I didn't, of course. Not then. That year, however, was one of electrical disturbances. Nothing major, just persistent. The side lights were checked by the electrician and we were told everything was completely fine. Just over a year after everything happened, my colleague and I were sitting in the staff room we all knew by now that her husband had been a very difficult man, and speaking of her son, she said, Do you know he would be sitting at the table eating his dinner, but the minute that he heard his father's car in the drive, he would rush from the table, scrape his uneaten food into the bin, and race upstairs. Listening to those words convinced me that that letter I had received slash written was from her husband. Later I took her to one side as gently as possible, I told her about what had happened, and she believed me. Naturally, I gave her the letter. It was never mine to keep. Oh, and in case you're wondering, there were no electrical problems after that. And that's from Dorothy in Great Britain. Five years ago, my wife Pat died. We had been together for almost 40 years and had often discussed what we thought happens when people die. Pat had an outright belief in another life, but I used to joke that I was waiting for someone to tell me. My wife's death completely destroyed me, but I survived because I can hear her talking to me and I feel her presence. 
I had a heart valve replaced in 2011, and I never had a moment's worry because she told me it would be okay. I just wait until I can smell Pat's perfume and I feel her touch in my face because I know she will be calling for me soon. I loved my wife totally and without question. It can be an advantage to see the other side sometimes. Love never dies. And that's from Jeff. In my first marriage, we had a garden with four acres, and herons used to come by our wildlife pond regularly. We really loved seeing them. Sadly, my husband and I divorced, but we remained close friends, even though we were both remarried. In 2010, he died quite quickly of cancer. The next day, as I drove through an estate that was close by, a heron appeared and landed on a roof. I slowed down and I watched it, and It turned and appeared to look at me. It stayed on the roof, standing for about five minutes, just watching me. I relayed this to our son, and he had said that a heron had landed in his garden at the same time. I called my daughter, and she gasped. A heron had also landed in her garden. We all live a long way from each other, yet we all saw a heron at the exact same time, the day after his death. And that's from Rachel. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.